Hey everyone, uh, welcome back yet again, back on Talking Success. Um, this time, I thought I was going to be speaking to someone in Nigeria, but I've just found out from Michael, he's in Canada. Anyway, we're, we're moving to, to West Africa today, despite where Michael's based uh, at the moment, uh, and we're covering very interesting and, and perhaps a, an unknown part of fintech uh, and it's all about enablement of certain services so um, I'm delighted to be joined by, by Michael Olawali um, who is one of the co-founders uh, at TAP um, and I know TAP's an agree abbreviation but I'm going to let Michael kind of give a bit, a bit of an overview in terms of what TAP does and uh, kind of what the business model is. It's super interesting. Uh, I've, I've done quite a bit of research over the last sort of 48 hours or so about uh, the various different elements of TAP. And uh, I'm looking forward to tapping into uh, some of Michael's. I'm sorry, that was terrible. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Um, Michael, listen, great to have you. I appreciate it's early in the morning. I don't know how many coffees you've had or if you need to grab another one. You're, you're more than welcome to when you're ready. Um, Listen, thanks for joining. I'd uh, love to get an intro. Tell us a bit about you. Tell us a bit about TAP. And then uh, I've got a bucket load of questions for you today. Absolutely. Probably I'll start with this. Um, I'm here in Canada on R&D, actually. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Just learning also around the world how um, the world is looking at um, processing transactions. But I'll get, that. I'll get into that much later on. Um, my name is Michael, just like you said, Michael Oluwale. Um, the name of the company is called Touch and Pay. I have um, co-founders, Olamide Afolabi and Kabiru, and together we created this company in 2019. And what we focused on essentially is we want to digitize microtransactions. And put together, that sounds like a lot of English, but let me break it down in, in the real sense of it. In Africa today, um, if you try to buy um, a car, buy a house, pay tuition, the banks and some um, fintechs have solved that sure. problem. But in Africa today, if you want to get on a bus, get a cup of coffee, um, get snacks, it is completely cash-based. And that is where the problem is. And if we are looking at financial inclusion, if we are looking at a credit-based society, we need to make sure that these transactions, which constitute about 70% of all transactions that even happen every day, have a digital footprint. Meaning this, if I, as a citizen of a country in Africa, I mean, I'm a Nigerian citizen, 70% of my transactions every day is cash-based. How would you be able to even credit profile me? Right. So what it means is that before I pick up my phone to do an electronic transaction, I've, I've made cash transactions seven times out of ten times before I actually pick up my phone to make electronic transactions. And it begins to add up when we want to account for these people, how do we publicize, how do we create a credit scoring structure for these people, how do we make sure they are financially included. And the problem has always been, people have always thought that the consumers are the problem. But whereas the actually, the merchants are the main stakeholders that nobody has, con has considered. So what we have done is, the problem exists overall. Um, from transportation to merchant payments to government remittances, um, purely cash-based for those transactions. So we have decided we would start with transportation. So we created four characteristics for ourselves. We understand that microtransactions exist and it's cash-based. It's not a new thing. So how do we decide which sector to, um, to target? The first is, one, the volume of payments. What sector allows people to make uh, receive a huge volume of payments every day? That's the first. 
The second, the frequency of payments. What sector allows this same volume of people receiving payments and they do it frequently? The sec third characteristic is, oh, this volume of people making the payments and they are making the payment frequently, how are they making the payments? Is it cash? Is it manual? Then the final one is, oh, this same set of people, what's the value that they are trying to make pay to make the payments? Is it mid, mid to low value level transactions? Once a sector checks all those four characteristics, we're going. And the first sector that jumped at us was transportation. And when, when talk, a lot of people tried sorry, to... Mark, when, when you talk transportation, are you talking about sort of taxis yeah. uh, initially? Is, is, is that the first port of call? I'm talking about transportation for the mass market. Yeah. I'm not talking about flying. I'm talking about interstate, yeah. you're traveling interstate. I'm talking about things that people do every day, the ones that constitute those volumes. So transportation, intra-city, public sector transport jumped at okay. us. And we started cracking at it. And I'll give you a very funny story. We started with one bus company in 2019 with no contract. Um, as a startup, we were very eager to demonstrate yeah, what we contract? wanted to do. Yeah, that's something we worry about later. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could take the risk because we're a startup. <laughs> and we started with that bus company and you'll be surprised we were successful. The bus company had five buses. Um, in six months, they had increased their bus fleet to about 90 buses. Wow. Today, the bus company has well over 400 buses in their fleet. And that bus company wanted to expand. And we started with a simple technology like the Oyster, a payment transit card where you fund, which is called the Cowrie card. Um, you use it, you fund it, and you use it. So this, this, the, the technology behind it is pretty much simple, contactless yep. payment. Um, get a contactless card. We took the concept of Oyster and brought it into our African reality, meaning you can fund it. We don't expect that you have a bank account. Oh, mobile money, right? We don't expect that you have your financial We expect that you have money in your pocket. So go to a mom and pop shop, go and fund it. However, you're not going to get on the bus with cash. You're going to use that card to make payments. And we started off as simple as that. And we started with one bus company. Today, we have well over 100 bus companies. Um, we have over four, almost 4 million users using our system, with about 500,000 of them active daily. We have well over 3,500 bus, buses within our system. And literally starting with a simple idea where that these bus owners could receive their payment digitally. And the beauty of it was the results yeah. that came off it. So by just digitizing this transaction between the buses, bus owners and the commuters, the results were crazy. Crazy in the sense that, one, I could tell the bus owner where to deploy his buses based on data. Before, they didn't have access to that data. I could tell him, oh, between 6.30 in the morning and 8 o'clock in the morning, this is where the volume is coming from. Between 8 and 10, the volume is coming from people that are going to open their mom and pop shops at the market. Um, Middle of the year, July, August, students are on break, so reduce your deployment towards this area, focus on this area. Um, end of the year, people are traveling to see their loved ones for Christmas, focus your bus deployment on area. And that had a minimum of about 40 to 45% significant effect on their revenue with that data. The second thing we realized was we're able um, to start financing. We did something off our balance sheet quietly. For the first time, our users are 
bottom of the pyramid, the everyday people that usually have cash. So realize that if you have six minimum of um, three to six months usage on our card, using our card to make payments, we could actually give you a credit of about one dollar. Not as cash, but on your card, meaning you can travel on credit. We never advertised this product once. We just ran it as an experiment. Today, we have 30,000 people using it every day. Meaning, it became, our card became valuable with, to people. Meaning, I don't have to have money to travel. So, I have this card. I can, it can allow me to travel. If I get to where I'm going, I make money. I care of my, my debt. And that's the true system that we're looking at, creating that credit society beyond the benefits of financial inclusion. And this is the first time people are um, receiving the impact. The bus owners are able to access financing also. I mean, I can keep going on, but that's... No, listen, I, it's fantastic. Um, I, again, I hadn't realized the scale um, that you've reached in a relatively short space of time. Um, I wanted to talk about two, two elements here that you've mentioned. Um, there's yes. financial inclusion for consumers, um, which we'll, we'll definitely dive into uh, in a moment. But before we do that, you, you mentioned um, you know the merchants and the merchants being an enabler yeah. for financial inclusion. Yeah. And you know I, I think it's important that people understand and, and are aware that you know by allowing merchants to accept online payments, it's not just about payments. It's not just about receipts of funds. It enables them a to have all the data clearly that you've gathered gathered for them um but but secondly and probably more importantly it allows them to then expand their business it's very difficult to expand your business when you're purely cash based um and you have no trend data so like you were saying michael um you know i know that in christmas or on christmas that sort of couple of weeks beforehand actually the routes are going to be here they're probably going to be longer routes and this is going to be my average sort of ticket price um, and i can make i can do some forecasting which means i can then go to a uh, a finance house or uh, you know whoever it may be and say actually i've got some predictability of revenue this is the data that i've got that shows this time of year, we're likely to do X, Y, Z. Um, I would need a loan in order to go and buy another one, two, five hundred thousand buses in order to, you know, meet the demand. So when we're talking about financial inclusion, yes, obviously we're talking about the consumer, but we're also enabling or your, I should say we, <laughs> your enabling businesses to then go and expand and, and hopefully create some generational wealth, um, you know, for those families. So I think there's there's two very important things. Um, are, are you when when you talk about financial inclusion, um, do, you, do you you talk sort of to, to both? sort of parts of uh, your ecosystem, so merchant as well as consumer. Absolutely. And I, I don't think you could have put it any better. You know, one of the things that I try to, um, we as a company, um, we try to do is, we don't just like to make sure that these buzzwords are just thrown around. We'd like to back it up with concrete sure. evidence. And I love the way you put it. And I mean, my, my co-founder, Lambda, you should say something, he says, Payment is a lifestyle. People have seen payment or have always defined payment as a, a tool, a process, but they do understand that payment is a lifestyle. And the reason is I can come to you and I can give you a cash and you accept it, right? You don't know me. However, I can come to you because you know me, right? And we've had dealings in the past. And because I see you, I will just say, okay, don't worry. You can take the product. I'll get the money or I'll get the value from you at a later time. 
because we have a connection and that's literally payments it's literally a lifestyle and for the merchants just like you've mentioned it's the same idea now i'll touch on a couple of things just like you mentioned first i will tell you for free that all the buses on our ecosystem today get gas on credits just based on the fact that we know how much they're able to make so we're able to tell the gas companies that don't worry this guy is not going to pay you now let him get gas on credits However, before 12 o'clock, I know how much it's going to make because I have the data and I'm able to make payments to you. And that has reduced a huge cash flow problem for them. We literally solved this problem for them when we had this um, gas crisis during the early days of the Russia-Ukraine right. um, wars when gas prices started going up. And we had to solve the problem for them. So financial inclusion also includes them. We've had to solve the problem. And... The issue that people have had in the past is this with merchants that are processing microtransactions. They've tried to fix those, those kind of merchants into the same box or use the same solutions as the merchants processing large volume or large value transactions. So today, I cannot give a PS terminal to a microtransaction because the bank expects that um, anybody using a PS terminal should be able to process an average of three dollars to $5,000 a month. So if you don't do that, you don't make economic sense for me to give you a PS terminal. So micro merchants don't fall into that space, meaning they are completely out of the technology ecosystem. So what now happens to them? Who provides technology for them? And just like I mentioned earlier, we've taken um, time to do R&D to also see how micro merchants have been treated in other parts of the world. I'm here in Canada. I'm also, like I mentioned, I did R&D. And one of the things that first struck us earlier, I was with my aunt. She lives outside. And she literally went to a store. She was refurnishing her house. She went to a store here and picked up a couple of things. And she just walked out of the store. I had to call her back. I'm like, oh, why? What's going on? You didn't pay. She's like, no, I'm going to pay over 36 months. I'm like, what? How is that possible? We literally, and that was one of the things that struck us. How does, how does this merchant and consumer, it's a lifestyle thing. If we're able to create that ecosystem of data, if you're able to know your customer, it's very easy to create that lifestyle of payment experience. So payment is not me giving you cash. Payment is a lifestyle thing that I have data, you have data, and I'm able to say, go with this value, go with this product, and you're able to do. So how can we create technology that can mimic that in Africa? And that's been our, 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 our position. So for March, and just like you've mentioned, we've also taken that position. We understand their transactions and we've made it easier for them to access value that fits into their ecosystem. Just like I mentioned, the bus operators having access to diesel. We've also created a product called Financing. For the first time, bus operators had always all go to the banks, um, the same model, they feed them into the same box, the same category. Um, for you to access loan on financing, you need to have X, you need to have Y, equity contribution and the likes. But this guy has enough data from people that he's carrying every day for me to tell you that he makes this volume before it was all cash based so you don't even know as a bank right except he has a bank account where he deposits that money so you don't know but now i have data on him to tell you that this guy makes as much as ten thousand dollars a day in total revenue or five thousand dollars a day in total revenue do you know that if you give this guy two thousand or even fifty thousand dollars if and you're taking five five hundred dollars every day in hundred days he'll be able to complete his repayment and I can guarantee the repayment because now the payment is digital. So when someone pays, I help you remove your own $500 and I pay for you, pay it every day. So this is for the first time, one, 
our, com our bus owners are getting access to um, um, resources that are tangential to our business on credit. So they don't have to worry about cash flow. Now, we're helping them do financing also. So if they want to get um, source for um, simple things like tires, maintaining their vehicles, we have people that will give them that value on credit and we're debiting it from them from source every day. So for the first time, we're creating that ecosystem that we, the Western world has become comfortable yeah. to, where you can literally walk up and get something on credit and you can pay over time. We don't have that culture in Africa, especially in the micro space. Michael, let me ask you a question then. You, you mentioned payments is a lifestyle, and I get that. Um, you also mentioned kind of know your customer. I've, got, I've just had an idea about something, but I'll come on to that maybe in a bit. Um, we talk about sort of financial inclusion, and we talk about digital payments, and we talk about um, getting uh, sort of the lower LSM in Africa, various different markets in Africa, uh, you know, onto a sort of more formal banking um, or financial services platform or ecosystem. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong here, please. You're the, you're, you're the expert in, in Nigeria. Um, one of the biggest challenges that fintechs have uh, and banks, well, maybe banks, but certainly fintechs, is not necessarily, they're not necessarily competing with other fintechs. They're not really competing with banks. They're not really competing with mobile money. They're competing with cash, right? Cash is still deemed as value. Um, now, in order to make that transition for your consumers or your, your yeah, your consumers, your, your, your um, uh, people that are going onto buses and, you know, transacting, um, to get them from cash to digital, uh, how did you go about doing that? Because you've done this in big numbers in a very short space of time. I appreciate that, you know, one of the models was, listen, this bus is literally, you know, cash free. Um, uh, you can't come into this bus unless, unless you've got a card. And that's fine. That's one way of doing that. But th th there clearly has been a, uh, an adoption. And has there been much friction? Has there been much pushback? Um, I, I, I've seen things and I've quoted them in, in the past on this podcast of, you know, people talking about, uh, you know, shops here in South Africa, which are now saying, you know, we're a cash, cashless shop. And people are going you know, up in arms about it, saying, oh, I want to use cash. And how dare they tell me I can't, you know, transact in cash and what have you. Um, so my question, actually, yeah. sorry, going around in circles. My question is, has there been or was there um, a significant challenge to move people from cash to digital? So I would like to answer that question with a bit of correction. Please. And I think that's one of the things that um, people in our own ecosystem has always the uh, misconception, which is we are competing with mm. cash. While mm. that is partially true, the true... Um, way to put it, or a better way to put it is we are competing with habits. With habits, okay. Competing with habits. Right. Yes. And if you understand that, you just, you realize that the cash is a byproduct. And whenever you're pro providing a technology, it helps you see the full picture on how to solve it. And I'll use our, our case as an example. Um, while it looked like, I mean, the obvious product or the obvious result is we are competing with cash, it's we're trying to change the habit of a certain group of people that were used to using cash. Because they'll ask you, okay, I want to take off the cash from you. What is the alternative? Are you telling me that I have to do this, this, this to be able to do this? No, I like the habit I had before. 
let me maintain it. And if you realize that it's a habit, not just taking the cash from them, you'll be able to solve their problem. And that's what, that was the first thing that we, we saw differently. It's not just taking cash from them. When we deployed, there was a point of this deployment that we, we say encourage cash, but in a different way, digitization. We di- had to digitize the bus owners themselves. They had to appreciate digitization. Then we now focus on digitizing the customers, meaning we're breaking habits from two different sets of people. The result is taking out cash from the ecosystem at the end of the day. But we need to change the narrative from taking out cash, which is the result, but breaking or changing the habits of this group of people. And just like you mentioned, it was crazy. What we did... I've got a question for you. Hang on. I'll I'll let you finish, I promise. But so... It was your strategy to make people go cold turkey, um, you know, to, 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 to want to use a, a better expression. But, you know, if you're trying to break a habit, there are a few ways of doing that. You either wean people off or you go, you're going cold turkey. Um, what, what was the strategy? So see the moment I see how I rephrased it, see how it became the perspective was clearer to yeah. you. And that's that's exactly how you came to us that. If I need to change people's perspective of to accept these digital payments, what do I need yeah. to do? And we started off with a bus company, which was able to convince its customers to accept this means of payment. But we were very quick to realize the fact that if we continue this way, some bus companies will adopt it. It's going to be a very marginal approach. You have to do so many things. All of a sudden, COVID struck. Before COVID, we had started approaching the regulators. And started showing the regulators that oh, by digitizing payments in the transport ecosystem, you would have a very very open ecosystem and people would come in and you'll be able to see data. But regulators didn't have it; they weren't having it as much. Then COVID struck. Then all of a sudden, transportation was the entire shutdown because once you took our took away transportation, everybody had to sit down in their houses. Now they wanted to re- reopen the economy in Nigeria, and it meant allowing people to move about, transporting. They wanted contact tracing. You can't have contact tracing with cash payments. Hence, we realized our opportunity and we seized it. The regulator can mandate everybody to change their habits. Even if you don't like it, you will have to follow it. And the regulator became the police. So we were quick to recognize that it's a habit. It's not... People would... If you left people to choose, people would still fall back into their old habits. And that's what we are able to see differently. And, of course, regulator mandated it. Um, the bus owners also saw the value in it, so they also mandated it. And we're quick to understand the power of the regulation with a very good solution. And, of course, people started using that, started realizing the value, and we're very much open to open up the opportunities and the values. Oh, oh, I'm using this. Oh, I can ride on credit. Oh, now I can get my... The values just began to open, and everybody just started to suck it in. So, I mean, the real narrative for me was or is the fact that most of uh, our fellow founders have always approached this from a position of I'm trying to digitize cash or I'm trying to from a transactional perspective but not from the know the customer perspective that what you're trying to do is you're trying to create a new habit or form a new culture and of course in every in, uh, in any form of breaking habits you have the entire process so can I win the person off by doing incentives and all sorts as a startup we didn't have that luxury or can i create um, a system where people can follow these rules and regulation which oh who is the best person in that space the regulator oh can i win the regulator over to my side and show you enough value and that was the gamble we had to take 
But again, we had to understand the perspective that it is actually we are changing habits. The result might be taking cash off them. So if, if I understand the model correctly, Michael, um, uh, uh, I would sort of top up my card um, let's just use dollars just because yeah. it's it's easier for I think for the majority of people yeah. I, I, I put hundred dollars a month right uh, onto my card and then that card is then used like an oyster card in the UK and I tap and I go and I tap and I go so effectively when it comes to because I think where, where a lot of um, payments companies struggle um, or merchants even struggle to go hang on I'm accepting a, an online oh, I'm accepting a digital payment for something that's worth a dollar Actually, by the time I factor in the fees, oh, this is not worth it. Um, which is why when you walk into a lot of shops, certainly here in South Africa, um, you see a post that says, you know, minimum purchase on a card is 30 Rand, for example. Um, but your model is different, right? Because you're, uh, I'm not, sorry, this is, I'm, I'm just making assumptions here, so correct me if I'm wrong. Go ahead. You're, you're, you're not sort of making a um, uh, margin, you're not charging on a transaction, per transaction basis, i.e. on a tap basis, but you're making perhaps your your margin and uh, sort of the, the commercial side of that on top up. Is, is that correct or how, how does it work? You'd be surprised I'm making transactions. I'm making, uh, my margins are actually per transaction. Okay. And what is different is this. Again, um, our mindset is we've always approached it from um, um, a, transact, a, a lifestyle approach. And we're able to understand the habit that was in that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. The first is you're a merchant. What merchants and customers want is I'm paying you. What do you need to see that to be able to give me value? And most of the time, internet is terrible in most part of Africa. So I must have something for you to receive as value. So for me to part ways and go with my product, right? And we had to make sure our solution could work both online and mostly offline. So our cards can work offline. That's the first thing. The second thing, just like you mentioned, I can go to any mom and pop shop and do. We're also able to realize that some of these transactions are fast moving. Most microtransactions are usually fast moving transactions. Yeah. So you just get a cup of coffee, you're out of there, you're, you're getting on the bus, you're out of there. You're trying to get food, you're just very fast moving transactions. How can we make sure that we can batch these transactions end of day? So meaning that you as a merchant, you don't always need to see the money in your accounts. You just need to know that, oh, I've received value. And end of day, I can now sweep the money into my account. I can go to my bookkeeping or end of business and say, okay, yes, how much have I made today? Right. So we're able to realize those two things in terms of understanding the merchant behavior and understanding the user or the commuter's behavior. And we're able to create a system where um, we call it our rails, our own transaction rails for microtransactions, where I can allow you to tap. And eventually, I can allow you go. And what you would say is that this, this is the same model that has happened in um, the developed world. So a Visa or a Master in a developed world, uh, Western culture, they are a credit card. Essentially, they are a credit card company. Meaning they allow you to tap and pay and go. Meaning they are taking responsibility on your behalf for the merchant. Right? And later on, they debit the money from your account or whatever it is that they agree with you as a customer, but they are giving the value to the merchant. In Africa, we don't have that credit card gap. And that was, that's the killing for that microspace. And that's where we came in and said, can we create something, a value chain to show that this merchant can get his money? And you will see a value, you see a notification, something that says, yes, go ahead and release your product. And that was what we plugged in and how we solved the problem. I mean, uh, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about sort of the broader business in a minute. But if, if you look at the buses or a, bus, a single bus company, um, are you yes. effectively a closed loop network? So 
you know, you have consumer on one side, you have merchant on the other, and you, you, you're literally interchanging, um, you know, payments. So effectively, it's closed loop. Um, there, there's very little chance of there ever being default payments um, because, you know, you have sort of liquidity effectively on both sides. So, and again, the answer to that question is yes and no. Okay. So yes, part is at the early stage, we had to demonstrate that microtransactions could be processed digitally. Sure. And we had to be the, the card issuing company. We had to be the ones providing the terminals to the merchants and the buses. And we had to do every, every lifting, meaning that we just like you mentioned, we had to do the closed yeah. loop. Now we've gotten to a bit of critical mass where I think arguably today I can say we are the largest processor of contactless transactions in West Africa, maybe in Africa, because of the volumes that we do every day. Right. Um, we've been able to create that ecosystem where the next phase for us is rather than being the one taking everything, being the one providing the cards, can we now allow partnerships? And that's where we are now. And I'll give an, a very critical example. At the bus station, I have a bus station in Lagos, Nigeria, that has a, an, an amount of day footfall of about 300,000 people coming to that bus station. Right. And they always use my car to get on the bus, on what bus or the other. Right. Immediately, the merchants are saying, oh, we have people coming in to use your card on the bus. Why merchants that are selling coffees, shops, restaurants, I say, oh, we also want to accept you as a means of payment. Right. So within every bus stop, every train station, all the merchants in that ecosystem accept me as a means of payment. Wow. Right. Now, the thing is, I would have been the one to provide devices so they have their bank uh, POS devices for master visa and the likes and then I have to provide my own device I don't want to do that I'm saying the master and visa POS terminals so they already have contactless but no one is using them because they're microtransactions nobody's bringing a card to buy a cup of coffee in Nigeria at least can I allow your contactless to work with my card so I don't need to buy the device and we say process a transaction so essentially we are moving from that closed loop to that open loop for us the background for us is habits. Mm -hmm. That user would have had to put some cash in his card for transportation and now have some extra cash to feed. But all of a sudden, he realized that, oh, I can now use this card to also buy food and uh, let me put all my money on this card, right? And I can also use it. So that's the way we've always approached it. So we're now entering that space of merchant payment right now where we can actually leverage partnerships, right? people that already have infrastructure, and we still process these transactions on our rails. So you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation that you know, there are certain, there's certain criteria that you look at for market entry, okay, or for, you know, for sector okay. entry. Um, transportation, clearly you guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job, and kudos to you and your team for doing Thank that. Thank you. Um, what's next? You've mentioned, obviously, the, the sort of um, subsidiaries or the, the sort of you know the the offsprings of uh transportation in terms of the coffee shops and going to buy yeah. a you know a, yeah, yeah. A, a sandwich or whatever it may be um yeah. where, where do you see the business going next um is it more mass market retail um is it more mums and pop shops um is there another sector maybe it's uh you, you mentioned uh you know fuel and gas um is, is, is that uh, an opportunity obviously it's high volume higher transaction amounts, I would um, <laughs> what's, what's next? So for us, um, I think we have three categories for us. Um, again, the first is we're still going to double down on transportation. 
the success of what we have done in Nigeria can be replicated across Africa. And I'll, I'll, and I'll give you an example. Even in East Africa, um, Momo, Mpesa, and the likes um, have been able to dominate the market, but they've not been able to do the same thing in transportation, right? People still pay cash to get on the bus in the Matato in yeah. Kenya and the like. So we still feel like there's an opportunity to be able to plug in a solution, even if it's in partnership with um, some of these um, mobile money operators where we can link our card to their wallet and they can use to make payments. It's something that we're um, actively pursuing. Uh, um, even in other parts of Africa, cash is still king in transportation sector. So we feel like transportation is going to be one of the key entry uh, markets strategy for us into new um, mm -hmm. markets. So we're very much very um, interested in transportation. And transportation, again, is divided into intercity inter and intra. All I've just mentioned is just intercity, intracity within the okay. city. There's also intracity where people are living from one city to the other city. And there's a lot of movement and it's all cash based, right? I saw a study, I think it was by, by McKenzie, um, in, 20, in 2019, that over 250 million Africans still transact in cash daily, spending at least a minimum of $1, $1 meaning $250 million exchanges cash in hands every day in Africa. Right, you can extra extrapolate that in terms of the volume, the share volume. Um, so it's still a huge problem. Yeah. We feel like we, can, we have done something in transportation where we have a template and we can also extrapolate that template into African market. So transportation is one. The second for us is merchant payments. And the way we've approached merchant payments is we're going to approach it through partnerships. So just like I mentioned, um, there, there have been a lot of people that have provided infrastructure for merchant acceptance payments in um, different places, but they've not targeted them at microtransactions. Um, today in the Western culture, and again, like I mentioned, one of the things that we've always done actively is to see, to not to reinvent the wheels. That's one of the reasons why we travel and see how, how uh, other people are solving the problem when we understand the habit that we're trying to break. You can walk up to a barber shop here in, um, in North America and just tap your card or tap your phone. Right. In Africa, you still have to pay cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have such utility payments, right? Cutting your hair, buying food, right? How can we leverage making sure that one, these guys have access to cheap or cheaper devices um, the, the consumers also have a, a card right that is a, a, a payment instrument essentially that is very much cheap that solves their problem i'm not saying a payment instrument that is, is costing them one or two dollars which is expensive in africa yeah. if you look at it in terms of the exchange rate but a, a payment instrument that is like two cents or 50 cents or less 50 cents or less where we can still afford to look at ways around it we want to enter that space strategically through partnerships. Um, you can imagine, oh, if you put a vending machine today at any of my bus stations, and your only prayer is that every of your customer would have a bank card to use to make payments, and that negates you to about less than 10% of the market. However, I can put a vending machine and uh, that allows my card users the same, just like the Oyster card, it's called the carry card. The carry card users to make payments, meaning that you have access to 100% of my market. Right. So, of course, that vending machine can be filled with micro products or micro transaction products, um, snacks, drinks, and the like. So, that opens up opportunity in the FMCG space automatically. And that can be replicated across universities, schools. I can take over school ID cards, right? So, um, parents funding their um, word school ID card to make payments. A school reach out to us and they are trying to do literacy in micro and uh, literacy in um, electronic payments. So they want to introduce a new curriculum for 
kids to say, oh, you learn how to use card payments or do card payment from school and use your school ID card. So we can, we are, it's something we're actively looking at. So merchant payments is the second one. The third one that fascinates us the most was we started off by processing transactions and we started realizing we're sitting on data. So what do we do with this data and, and financing? The, in Nigeria today, I, I, we say, myself and my co-founder say something, um, the only person that we are second to in terms of data on the bottom of the pyramid are the telcos. So of course, these people have phones, right? So um, the, uh, there's a lot of data that the telcos have been able to harness over time. But outside the telcos, no other person has enough information on this bottom of the pyramid like we do. So I know how often they move, I know where they go to, I know how much they load on their card, I know where they stop, I know how much they load, I know when they loaded last, I know where you go in the morning, the frequency of usage. So I'm able to build a credit score or credit rating for you, right? How can we use this data to improve their lives, right? Now imagine this. A, a, an average user, an average um, bottom of a pyramid, or an average customer that uses our card for two months, I'm already allowing him to have access to credit to use the bus, meaning he doesn't always have cash. He doesn't always need cash to get on the bus, right? So days that he doesn't have cash, he can get on the bus on credit. How much more translating that value to he can also get food if he has that card. He can cut his hair if he has that card. He can do basic utilities if he has that card because you have data on him based on some of the spend and he can create a profile for him. That's literally what the entire Western world is striving on today. So if you are looking at building that ecosystem for Africa in terms of financial inclusion, financial literacy, and make sure they, people get the benefit of it, we have to put these infrastructures in place. And not just on the end user, just like you also yeah. mentioned, the merchants. We're taking a playbook of Square. So we, 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 one, of the thing, one of the companies that we've also modeled our company on partially is Square in the U.S. They literally started off, while we started off with, in the mobility space, they started with the merchant payment space, providing simple devices for yeah. merchants to, make, to receive payments. But today, Square is able to understand the transaction each merchant makes and able to provide them with financial um, facilities to improve their businesses. So if you, are, if you want to start up your business in the morning and you don't have enough money, you're able to access a loan from Square. And before the end of the day, they are taking it from your position bit by basis. So just like you mentioned, it allows them to grow their business. And I can start giving numbers that we have, we've done this as experiments. So a simple mom and pop shop owner in a university, um, she's, she's buying, for instance, bread from a bakery um, every day. But no one wants to give her that extra um, $500 or extra $200 to buy more sure. bread. Right, because she has her payment is completely cash based. All of a sudden, I digitize her transaction. I I'm able to see her volumes, and I'm able to give her that two hundred dollar extra. Now she has increased her business, mind you. As she's increasing, I'm also increasing. Right. So for the first time, there's now that digital space. And the the most fascinating thing, and probably I'll round off with it. The most fascinating thing that we've learned is in the micro space, the amount of money that you need to lend. Is not so much compared to the amount of impact that you get. So while you would have lent, say, twenty or thirty thousand dollars to a huge um, ecosystem, maybe just one person in for high volume transaction, high value transaction, all you just need to do is take that same thirty thousand dollars and break it down into three hundred dollars. You'd have impacted hundred businesses that would have improved their business 
by as much as 10x. That's amazing. Those figures are outstanding. So there's no data because these people receive their transactions in, in cash. So that's some of the effect that we've seen literally firsthand. And we're, we're, we're sitting in that middle. So we want to literally build on that data and help make sense of that data to create an ecosystem where, oh, you're a bus owner. You don't have to worry about maintenance of a vehicle. You don't have to worry about gas. Because you're processing your transaction, there's a credit facility for you. You can get tires. So we have turned it into a cult ecosystem where our, 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 our bus operating companies within our ecosystem have access to this value. So if you have operating outside the ecosystem, you, it's, a, it's like a gimme for you to join yeah, in absolutely. and accept it's payment. It's, it's a bit of promo <laughs> you created, right? So uh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, you, know, you know what, as, as you were talking a little earlier on about sort of knowing your customers, uh, you know, I'm a bit like you, yeah, entrepreneur, you're always coming up with new ideas. And I thought, oh, I wonder if this is like KYC 2.0, right? Um, you know, we, we, we have, you know, uh, many, many KYC companies uh, operating here in Africa, who are, you know, onboarding and helping, you know, uh, companies, fintechs like yourselves, onboard customers and what have you. Um, but it's a bit of a tick box, right? It's a bit of a, you know, do you pass the requirements? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Okay, we can onboard you. Um, I think with... Uh, you know, the amount of data that companies like yourselves hold um, and used in the correct manner, right, um, for financial inclusion um, and done ethically and correctly, actually, you know, there's probably a new category, which may be, uh, you know, RKYC, which is like really know your customer. And, uh, you know, you, you, you've got that ability not only to, um, to be able to financially included to offer different products and services to people within your ecosystem but also you know when we get to a point where there is such a, a standard as open banking you know to be able to allow consumers then to go and if they want to make a bigger purchase and they want to go and buy a vehicle or you know get a mortgage or whatever it may be to open that up and to be able to go to other lenders who you know as you quite rightly said are serving a different sort of part of the market and go this person has a you know two or three year history of doing X Y Z. Um, you know we know that this person goes to work six days a week uh, and is always on time and leaves at six o'clock in the evening and doesn't get home till nine o'clock in the evening. And this person is clearly a hard worker and only spends a certain amount on you know coffee a week or whatever it may be. But having all that data and being able to provide that to other institutions. When open banking does sort of uh, you know take shape uh, across the continent, I think is a tremendous thing. Uh, it really, really is, and it would open so many more opportunities for people to not. I'm, I'm not saying just be able to sort of go on a bus, which I, I, obviously is, is crucial for people getting to work, but to then go and you know get more advanced financial products, um, you know, bonds and, uh, you know, maybe more significant loans or business loans, you know, which I think is very hard to come by. Um, if you're going and saying, actually, I want to now, I've got a mom and pop shop um, and I want to open two or three more. Um, actually, you've got a history now that you've built up in terms of, you know, these are the revenues I'm doing and this is the profitability I'm making and this is my turnover. Da, 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 da. All of a sudden it's there. And I think Again, from talking to, to lots of other people and lots of other sort of fintechs, where a lot of um, sorry, uh, where a lot of uh, I can edit this now, where a um, where a lot of um, uh, SMMEs struggle is having yeah. the understanding of you know what do they need to provide and what does a balance sheet look like and what does a P and L look like and all, all of these quite sort of 
complex things that I think if you've just set up, you know, a shop or a retailer or whatever it may be, or you're selling coffee, you're, you're not really probably going to be aware of that. Being able to give that to someone almost in a package and go, there you go, we've done it for you, um, is absolutely remarkable. Uh, and I think it would solve so many problems, but I think it would just allow I mean, people to accelerate their knowledge, their businesses, and their, uh, you know, their, their hopefully their generational wealth. I mean, I mean, just as you're talking, I, I, I just remember the conversation I was having with someone a couple of um, days ago. And the conversation was the fact that um, if we don't begin to digitize and organize ourselves, we'll be left behind in the world of this AI. And I, re I recollect I saw a, a startup company recently, and what they were focused on is they would help um, small SMEs, small businesses, if you have your data, just put it in Excel. They'll help yep. you interpret it and help you see what what financing you need, what you need, help you make sense of your business, right? And help you model it so that if you want to talk to any financial institution, you know you're not getting ripped off. You know you get the best deal. Question is, we don't even have any any system in place for most of these SMEs to receive their digital uh, information digitally today. Right. So if we are able to build this infrastructure, just like you mentioned um, properly, it allows you to get, allows Africa to get to that ecosystem where uh, if we are talking about AI coming in, we have data to support that uh, revolution. The second thing is, I think one of the major things that, uh, that has happened to us is APS uh, 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 Bank, which is CBN in Nigeria, has also done a lot to um, involve or include um, fintechs. So that has allowed us to also understand the value of the data and how to protect it. So of course there are a lot of strict laws, strict rules around it. So it's not something that is being abused or taken lightly. In fact, all the data are anonymized. Um, are, we have data protection rules on our yeah. system completely. Yeah. And before you access some of this information, they, they, the providers are, are willing to provide this. They, they have to give their consent. And of, of the success of some of these things, they, of course, they provide this information easily. So. If we don't organize ourselves, we won't even begin to unnest the value that comes from this information. I was, I, was, I was at the store, one of, I mean, when we traveled again, I was at one, one store. If you go to any of the aisles, you see gift card here, gift card there, you can pick up this gift card. In Africa, the entire gift score structure, there's really, you have to go and buy the gifts for yeah. someone, or you have to give the person cash. Yeah. Right. We don't have a system where I can pick up a card and I can say you can use that X, Y, Z. I don't need to tell you where to use it, but it's a $15 gift card, it's a $10 gift card, I can use that XYZ. We don't have that. And that's one of the things that we want to be able to create. We want to be able to create a future where I can send value home from here in, in say, Canada or in the US. I can send as much as, I don't need to accumulate $100 or $500 before I send home. Can I send $10? Because I know $10 a lot. My, I had a friend once told, once told me that one of my friends said oh, his sister was celebrating her birthday in Nigeria and he didn't have enough money to send back. And I asked him, I was enough money. What do you mean by enough money? He said, I had to look for $500. Between. I'm like, no, $10, $15, you can get a cake for her. He was like, oh, there's no channel for me to send $10 or $15. I'm, I'm like, these are microtransactions that we can digitize and automate. And it doesn't have to be, you have to, you have to go to the bank. The reason is, you can't go to the bank to collect $10. The charges will kill you. But can I have a platform where he can credit that 10 or $10 or $15, which is affordable to him here, 
and there's a platform back home where I don't need to receive that money. I can just have it credited to a card of my wallet and I can just go there and just make a purchase at the store. So that's the way to think about it. That's that's the vision we're trying to. We have to provide those infrastructure to process and digitize those microtransactions. Michael, this has been really, really educational and enlightening for me. I think uh, a few takeaways. One is actually, um, and I'd never thought about this. I've been involved in this sector for over a decade, and I never ever thought about this. Is actually the the challenge is not, or the competition is not really cash. It's habit. For me, that's the biggest takeaway yes. out of the last you know, 45 minutes. Um, secondly, it's enabling the ecosystem. And a lot of people talk about the ecosystem, and I'm guilty of that as well. Um, but actually understanding what that is. Yes, it's consumer. Of course, we need consumers in order to digitize. But as importantly is the merchants and the opportunity yeah. and the doors that uh, digitization can offer for the merchant is not just about, you know, it's cheaper and it's safer. Actually, this is an enabler for you to grow your business and to provide for, you know, uh, family and, and, and what have you. Um, and I think lastly, it's about what you guys have done exceptionally well. And I see uh, lots of entrepreneurs, um, not just on the continent, but globally, you know, uh, I read a lot, um, that have a business and go, oh, we're going to go and do everything to everyone, right? We're going to be, we're going to go and specialize in retail, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do it. You guys have obviously stayed true to, to a niche and have uh, owned that niche, owning that niche, and now are looking at expanding. I think, you know, if there's, uh, again, lessons to be learned here, it's, you know, focus on one thing and do it really, really well. Be famous for something, right? Be famous for one thing and then you can be famous for others. Uh, we look at, you know, the likes of Richard Branson and, and, and Elon Musk, right? They started with one thing and then they grew, but only yeah. when they got to yeah. critical mass. Um, yeah. I've I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this uh, this episode. Um, I wish you and your team the very, very best of luck. Um, I I would love to uh, get you back on the show uh, in maybe six months' time and find out how you guys are getting on and what what else you've taken over and uh, (laughs) change the habit. Listen, I think I'm I'm one for um, slowly weaning off rather than going cold turkey. Uh, You know, if someone took my iPhone away now and went, listen, you can't. (laughs) Honestly, I'd be up in a. In sort of tied up uh, what's your understanding itself, right uh, i think it made me go crazy absolutely but, uh, uh listen michael thank you so so very much um i'll let you get on thank with your you, day well you. the start of your day in canada anyway and uh, <laughs> uh, i look forward to hearing everything about you if people want to look you up because we, we have a lot of people listening to this who um probably have uh, other fintechs they might f- sort of see there's possible sort of collaboration and partnerships with Best place to look, LinkedIn, are you kind of active there or where, where, where's a good source to find you? Yes, of course, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, we're very much active. Um, you can look for Michael Oluwali. Um, I'll put your link in also, this anyway. So that's uh, right. Any of the platform, Touch and Pay, um, Instagram, Kauri Card, um, we're very much active. You can reach out to us. Um, we're very, we try to keep a small team, so any information gets circulated amongst us. So, yes. so we, can't, we, can't, we can't find you on TikTok <laughs> doing any dances then, can we, Michael? Or what? I, I, I've tried, I've tried, <laughs> but I've not been part of the community. <laughs> but somehow, hey, listen, my team, the business my, my, my team got me on TikTok, TikTok, right? And I was like, listen, guys, this is not for me. I'm way too old for this kind of stuff. I've, I've got about as much coordination as a fly. So, uh, yeah, I'm not be doing any dances. Anyway, 
I, I try. Well, listen, best, best, best of luck with your, on your R&D trip in, uh, in Canada. Thank you uh, very much. It's not too cold over there much. at the moment, and uh, keep warm. Absolutely. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. Also, thank you very much for having me. Thanks also. again. All right. Yes. <laughs>